Welcome to Generation Digital Workforce, the podcast that's here to explore the role of robotic process automation and other digital technologies. Whether you're just getting started or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, if you're curious about where human and digital workers are coming together to transform the future of work, then this podcast is for you. All right, let's get into the show. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us this week for Generation Digital Workforce. This is Zena, and I'm coming at you from Austin, Texas. I'm really glad you joined us today. My guest is Bruce Mazza. Did I say that right, Bruce? You got it right on. Thanks, Zena. All right. Welcome. You want to tell our guests a little about yourself? Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here on the Podcast. Thank you, Zena. Um, I'm in charge of the technology alliances at Blue Prism globally, and uh, it's a really exciting place to be where we're joining up with the best in class tools, whether they're cognitive tools, process management tools, and another of uh, other exciting areas to make digital transformation come alive in enterprises. So uh, right at the heart of a lot of innovation with our partner companies and technology alliances. Glad to be here. Um, Really, really cool. I love the way you said that at the intersection at the heart of it. Tell us a little bit about how you and the technology partners fit into what we call the digital workforce. Absolutely. So at Blue Prism, we really talk about this idea of the connected RPA platform that's built and ready for the enterprise. And as part of that, you know, many enterprises choose various different best-in-class tools for everything from visualization OCR to their choice of CRM platform to their choice of HR platform for human capital management and so on. And for all of those areas that our customers rely on us is that they want a relevant RPA platform that can scale, that can also plug directly into and have viable use cases with all of those other software investments that they make. And really, that is where the heart of Connected RPA lies, is a scalable enterprise platform that can integrate to anything that is relevant inside the enterprise, any platforms, any software tools, any sources of data about whether they're fully automated or human in the loop. The connected RPA platform then is really what is allowing us to build out these digital workers. Can you tell us a little bit more about what a digital worker is? It's somewhat conceptual. A lot of our audience is new to this topic. So just kind of take it to the basics for us. Absolutely. I'll start at the top top of the level, the top of the waves to really help us understand. You know, if you think about your workforces, I'm talking here, obviously, to the audience, your workforces are comprised of insourced labor and sometimes outsourced labor, where your business might be looking either to cost optimize or to add staff in certain peaks and to manage certain regional deployments of staff. And really, the digital workforce is the third leg or the third wave of resources that you can count on and rely on to scale your business and to cost optimize your business. So if you think about it from that that standpoint and you think about the big picture of how businesses are very much uh, you know exposed to different uh, business models trying to grow quickly 
in lieu of the fact that right now, as we record this podcast, we're dealing with this major uh, challenge of uh, COVID-19 and its impact on the global economy, there'll also be a number of other shifts in how businesses need to conduct work. So a digital workforce and a digital work for, a worker, which is in our context, a flexible digital resource that can do a variety of different tasks. That digital worker can be deployed to do finance. It could be deployed to do HR tasks. It could be deployed to do supply chain tasks and so on. And we talk about the idea of giving that digital worker skills. Skills might be visual skills so that they can read and interpret documents. Giving a digital worker the ability to have cognitive skills so that it can start thinking and adapting to workflows. Giving the digital worker collaboration skills so that it can invoke interaction with a human worker and really be an assist to that human work and workforce as well. So hopefully that gives a little view from the top-down kind of imperative as well as what a digital worker is in that context. Yeah, I love the way you put it, the third wave of resources, you know, onshore, offshore, both of those represented, you know, generational shifts, if you will, in the way we thought about workers and the workforce. And I think we're seeing that again today, which is, you know, part of why we named our podcast what we did. Can you talk about the trends or the characteristics that you see impacting us moving to a digital workforce, you know, as multiple industries, you know, global companies are, are doing today? And then kind of also, what's going on inside of companies today that is driving this move to needing this third wave of resources, as as you put it? Absolutely. I mean, on the positive side for many organizations, they're investing heavily in digitization so that they can be relevant long into the future and very adaptive to their customer base. So, you see many examples of this where large organizations or medium or even some small organizations are refining their way of doing customer experience. They want to adapt to the new buyers, whether those are you know, the millennials or even younger generations that buy only through mobile experiences or only interact with chatbots instead of contacting um, you know, a traditional operational center or customer center dealing with the ability to have data flow as soon as it hits from the customer into the operational heart of an enterprise without nearly as many steps and going transactionally, you know, from kind of zero to 60 in, in a matter of seconds rather than hours or days to complete customer-facing transactions. And then it really starts to hit at the heart of the trends of businesses, staying relevant, staying aggressive with how they're serving customers. The second thing I think would be from an IT domain that the reality is, as IT teams are extremely taxed in terms of what they're asked to do to support the business, they can only fund and support a certain number of projects. And that leaves the remainder of the work where the line of businesses inside large enterprises need to staff and support projects. In fact, our data shows us that 70% of operations tasks are taking out place outside of core IT systems. So that means there's this long tail of work that isn't really supported by IT, not because they don't want to, but because budgets and resources constrain them from doing that. And then you add on top of that, 
the fact that many enterprises have a heavy mixture of both legacy environments and tools and IT systems, everything from mainframes to technology bought you know, 15, 20 years ago to technology even bought five years ago, that's prem-based. And then a smattering, and in some cases, a large component of cloud systems. And most enterprises have to bridge that gap between the legacy and the new. And what, what does that mean? Well, that means that adaptation from legacy to new often requires human workers sitting in between those systems, literally doing swivel chair to move data or to move a transaction from start to finish. And then for the, probably the final one is the one I mentioned uh, a little bit ago with this complete uh, change in what might be facing us as a global economy around COVID-19 really speaks to the idea of operational continuity. And businesses need to be so uh, ready for adaptation, you know, where things change every day. And how do you do that? How do you face this massive challenge when you have to redistribute work, redistribute processes, get people to work from home, not have, not have the ability to work on certain things at all and still deal with the demands of customers, either whether that's in a decline or in some cases for some businesses, a massive increase of uh, business that's going to come from such disruption. So operational continuity is the other huge trend. So customer experience, IT realities, and then operational continuity. Those are, are big ones we often see. Bruce, I love the way that, you know, you've summed it up into three real, uh, you know, trends that you're seeing around customer experience, the reality of, of IT, as you put it, and, and the um, operation continuity. In light of what's going on, you know, kind of on the global scale right now with the coronavirus and the impacts that it's having, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, the the benefits that businesses who have digital workforce might be um, experiencing right now? Yeah, and it's clear to say that uh, obviously it's very early days and no one really understands all the potential impacts and how you know the solutions can help or help guide the customers through it. But conceptually, at least, I'll, I'll uh, share a few things. You know, a digital workforce works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you know, is, is stays compliant to the task at the hand. And that that obviously can, creates that level of continuity where if you can't get workers into your enterprise or even work, working virtually you could still have a pool of workers that is driving forward the business. And nothing goes without a lot of disruption in these times. You know, but if you think about certain industries that are gonna be massively taxed uh, and are immediately being taxed into unprecedented levels, I'll start with just telcos, carriers. You know, as we sit on this webinar, as we're recording it, the data demands of hitting the internet and the bandwidth and the acquisition of bandwidth is now millions of people are working from different locations is uh, both a challenge and an opportunity for telcos to deal with that influx of additional demand and data. We work with telcos around the world to help them modernize and uh, speed their operations through digital workers. Another one that's just of massive consequence is certainly here in the U.S. that the federal government is considering immediate distribution of billions of dollars of small business loans to keep our you know, restaurants and shops and all the small business owners that make this economy go afloat. And the everything from the, Fed, the feds to the large banks that now 
will have to process unprecedented numbers of loans in very short periods of time. You know, you can imagine the, the tax and the workload on those teams and workers that will, you know, hopefully be able to work with that. But a digital workforce can automate things like loan processing or be assistive in that process. And those are the kinds of things that, you know, businesses that are now having to pivot or having to deal with different demands in the business uh, could use a digital workforce for. Yeah, yeah that's great. Going back to that third wave of resources that we talked about, the onshore, the offshore, you know, right now, both of those resource pools are, are being taxed, you know, globally, um, you know, as we're going through what we're going through. So it's good to know that we have that digital resource uh, there that we can rely on, that this, you, you know, it's basically immune from what's going on with, with our other workers today. With that, you know, I would like to look a little bit to the future and talk a little bit about digital workers and what they can do not only today, but in the future as they are able to take on more cognitive skills. Some of my other, you know, guests have talked a little bit about artificial intelligence and, you know, machine learning and things like this. Can you, you know, I know you work with our our TAP partners, our alliance partners, and you have firsthand, you know, kind of knowledge of the types of cognitive skills that can, you know, augment your digital workers. Can you um, share, you know, some of those capabilities with us and the type of new roles that are evolving for this digital workforce that Maybe even potentially your your other workers couldn't accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'll I'll start just briefly by saying, you know, with the Technology Alliance, we call it the TAP program. We again partner with best in class technology vendors, and we have the digital exchange where all of our customers and partners can find their best in class vendor and find integrations or what we call skills that allow you to connect Blue Prism to your platform of choice. So just to give a couple of examples and related to use cases, we have the best in class vendors that are uh, providing OCR and uh, op that's optical character recognition. So this is kind of giving eyesight to the digital workers. And in that case, there are many different processes that our customers have employed, everything from automating invoice processing, where the digital worker reads the invoices, collects the data, organizes it and sorts it into the way it could be processed through an ERP system. And that takes an OCR partner. So we have uh, the best in class partners there that you can build into those workflows that could be used for things like end of month bank reconciliation or journal entries, anywhere where there's kind of structured data in text form that's sitting on a document that could be adjusted and, and replayed. We also could use those things in things like uh, uh, processes like supply chain, contract adherence, you know, reading from all your vendors, their new pricing in a contract and ensuring that that actually is matching the invoice uh, that's being paid to the supplier. Or even things like VAT compliance, which uh, value added tax shipping compliance for all the millions of shipments uh, that go through supply chains. We do have integrations with HR systems. You know, this is obviously a massive thing, you know, employee onboarding and offboarding. How do you prepare all the paperwork to onboard and move that new employee into systems immediately and quickly so they can get on board and start working? And in the case of offboarding, how do you remove them from systems? We have partners that uh, help with that. 
We have partners that help with uh, in capital markets, uh, loan automation that I just talked about in banking, uh, trade processing. This is you know everything with monitoring, reconciling, reporting of traded securities, and and also tracking fraudulent money money transfers. The digital workers can do that. We have uh, the ability to look at um, on the insurance side, automating claims for, uh, you know, the public that's, uh, you know, submitting claims to their insurance carrier. How do we automate all that? We do that with many of the largest insurance companies in the world. And we also do things like uh, know your customer. So as uh, uh, companies are dealing with, you know, the, the risk around compliance of who they work with, who their customers are, who their employees are, knowing your customer to ensure that ongoing monitoring of clients to make sure they're within compliance, you know, everything from terrorism risks to fraudulent behavior. So those are just a few of the, we'll call them standard, now standard RPA use cases that are used out in the world today and are a combination of uh, Blue Prism plus our best-in-class technology vendors. We start to move into the so, next uh, phase. I don't, I don't mean to inter interrupt you there, but I do sure. want to follow up on something you mentioned. Um, you know, all of those use cases that you really described there have very sensitive proprietary confidential, you know, personal confidential data, if you will, or are in highly regulated, you know, industries or processes within industries. Can you share a little bit, you know, before we go too far, you know, off uh, about the digital workers and how they, you know, are are really uh, beneficial in these uh, types of use cases, why they're so beneficial to these types of use cases? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Blue Prism is really grounded in this idea of security and compliance and repudiation. And that comes from the fact that our legacy and history has been always working with large companies that security was top of mind. So large, large financial organizations, insurance carriers, and other governments and critical industries. So because of that, we built in a number of capabilities so that the digital workforce, everything it touches, everything it does, every task it uh, interacts with, every piece of data that it carries is all audited and tracked and fully available through, you know, a, a database that shows all of those transactions. Now think about that, compare that to a normal worker. That may not be the case, right? A, a normal employee, you may not be able to see everything they touch, do, and, and how they did it and how long it took. But with the case with uh, Blue Prism Digital Workforce, it's fully auditable, fully compliant. We have a number of other security features. I'm not going to go into all the details, but know that We've been certified at the highest levels for security within banks and federal governments. And, you know, we're very much in the place of being a trusted digital workforce that can bring even more security into the enterprise. I have to say, I, I do love that you referred to us as the normal workers. <laughs> yeah, the normal. I'm one of them, by the way. Exactly. Oh, I know. I am, yeah. too. That's why yeah. I said referred to us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You and me. Well, yeah, exactly. Fact, you and me. <laughs> yeah. Well, in fact, that, that, is a, that is a good question I'm, I'm going to ask you then. Um, I know it's not something that we had necessarily prepared, but do you have digital workers on your team? I'm glad you asked that. Yes, we do. Um, we have a digital worker right now that is doing development for us. And the digital worker's name is Sergey. And for those of you who don't know, Sergey was uh, the name of the uh, CEO of Google. 
And Sergey's first task was actually to write API integrations to all of the Google APIs. And that's what Sergey did. And Sergey did that in a matter of hours instead of months. So we do have digital workers. We have digital workers within Blue Prism doing everything from assisting our sellers with our CRM tasks and Salesforce to automating license generations and other different tasks. So increasingly, uh, we uh, use our own platform as we're a fast-growing uh, company and need to automate work as well. So thanks for prompting that. And if I go back to on the security for a moment, as secure as the platform is, we also have best-in-class partners in the TAP program to help us raise that bar. So this is asking the digital workers to interact with credentials, so credential management systems. We integrate with companies like CyberArk, SailPoint, and in the future, others that provide that credential management that our enterprises rely on. So we're fully compliant and integrated to those tools as well. So let's go back to those use cases that we were talking about earlier and talk a little bit about the before and the after when it comes to these digital workers having the skills, as you called them. Absolutely. Glad, glad you reprompted that because it's really important. And again, I will think about it conceptually and then I give you very real examples. So conceptually, you know, the world of uh, tasks that are very repeatable, the Blue Prism platform adapts extremely well to those highly structured tasks and processes, but it also adapts extremely well to highly unstructured tasks and processes when you adapt in various different tools and vendors that can offer AI cognitive layers. So let me give some examples. The first element of that is we talked about kind of invoice processing. You know, an invoice is a relatively standard document. There's some variations to it, but you know, you can find certain data elements and the robot can process invoices with an OCR engine. But when you move to highly unstructured text, this could be, for example, what the financial industry is facing with LIBOR. LIBOR is an underlying rate of most contracts in the world is going away. And that LIBOR rate needs to be replaced by various different uh, uh, negotiated rates for banks, insurance companies, everything. Those LIBOR rates and those contracts are often page thousands and thousands and thousands, I'll say millions of pages of contract documents, sometimes digitized, sometimes sitting in drawers, that needs to be read, interpreted, and then put into a remediation plan of how to take those contract rates out and then put in a remediation plan to rewrite the rates into the asset manager's preferred method. So that's a highly unstructured set of data. So we have uh, partner vendors that can deal with that unstructured data. We can drag and drop their capabilities into a workflow deal with the unstructured data, and then continue on in a process flow end-to-end -to, -end to make that work, in that case, library remediation. But that deals with all kinds of other highly unstructured data sources, anti-money laundering, free trade zone compliance, those both have highly un uh, unstructured sets of data. I'll give another example. Now, outside of finance, uh, we have oil companies that have multi-billion dollar pipelines, and they were trying to identify all the locations where a particular part was installed on all of these pipelines, and that had to deal with safety and compliance. They had something like, you know, thousands of part numbers and 200,000 engineering documents, large unsearchable images. So we've leveraged our uh, vendors that have cognitive skills, can actually view pictures and interpret them, 
and then also unstructured text to make sense of that massive inventory of pipelines and parts and draw it into a workable resolution plan and risk mitigation plan. So pretty cool. Now you also take things like, well, what happens when you have emails? How would you like a digital worker to deal with not only you know, what's in an email, but the sentiment in an email? And we have vendors that offer natural language processing and natural language understanding. This is actually interpreting the text in the emails or text or chatbots or other areas so that, you know, if you're, for example, in a capital market and you're trying to do post-trade ex, uh, execution, you can not only look at the volume of data in real time, uh, which is often handled over email with your trading partners, but you can also look at their sentiment and urgency and which ones you need to prioritize and change the process flow in the digital worker immediately to do adapt to that. Think about chatbots in the chatbot world. You know, again, that's automating certain customer interactions. But what if you could actually interpret and intercept that data and then score the risk of that customer interaction in real time? We can do that with our digital workers and chatbot vendors combined together. We could look at HR onboarding. Let's go back to that process. So you onboard a number of par partners, uh, customers, excuse me, employees. And then over time, you also want to manage the attrition risk. So we can plug in AI engines that can monitor certain behaviors and look at attrition risk of those employees based on patterns. Invoice preparation. It's great that we can have digital workers that do invoice preparation, but why not add an AI engine so that you can actually look at cash flow projection based on the flow of invoices that are coming through versus your uh, balance of cash as a company. What about shipment tracking? I gave that example we can do shipment tracking and uh, supplier interactions. But what if you could learn from that data and optimize your delivery schedules and look at a completely uh, updated process to optimize your supply chain? Those things are all within reach right now. And, and what we often say is digital workforce and RPA that we produce with Blue Prism is a gateway into AI. It's the combination of having the arms and the legs of a digital worker with these AI cognitive layers that allows you to adapt and move into this environment. And that's pretty cool stuff. One more example I'll give because it's relevant to how we deal with the front office and we're increasingly working within contact centers and assisting agents by having digital workers pair with the agents and do mundane work while the contact center agent works on the real customer service. Wouldn't it be cool if we could convert the speech in real time to understand the sentiment of the user and while that sentiment of that user is being captured in real time, have the digital worker adjust their flow or adjust their priority or maybe shift it to a different language like Spanish. Or otherwise, we can do that with a real-time digital platform and our partners. So pretty cool stuff. It's making AI real. And that's really important these days inside of enterprises that are trying to compete, win, and stay cotton, uh, you know, inside their business continuity framework right now. Yeah, it is definitely pretty cool. And, you know, one of the things that, that uh, you mentioned is that, you know, these things were attainable today. But for some of our listeners, it may actually seem technically prohibitive, what you've described and the vision that, that you've, you know, built for our audience. Can you talk to us about how companies should think about getting started? Yeah, it's a great question, Zena. You know, it can seem overwhelming because there are just so many possibilities here. And so I'm going to give a, a few specific uh, 
ideas. I mean, first and foremost, you want to look at what's going to make the biggest difference inside of your enterprise for the digital workforce. And our teams, our centers of excellence, our customer office, and our teams are very much here to help you help prioritize and bet using our partners, our resale partners and GSIs and SIs to help you reach that clarity. We also have some technology partners that can help get that clarity. There are process mining and discovery best-in-class vendors that we partner with that can help you draw out a very clear roadmap for what is automatable and what is the ones, what are the tasks and processes that will provide the best return on investment. So look to us for process mining and discovery vendors and support on you know, selecting one and implementing that within your enterprise to get that roadmap. Second thing is visit our digital exchange. Our digital exchange, so just go to Blue Prism Digital Exchange, put it in your browser, you'll find the link to it. And what you can see there is the companies that we partner with and the connectors and the drag and drop uh, capabilities that are pre-built. You can search for industry, you can search for your particular technology type that you're interested in and learn more about those connections. And again, talk to your Blue Prism team that can help you navigate the digital exchange to adapt and find those targets of automation and integration. And then again, as you may already have certain vendors that you're working with in these different domains, whether it be chatbots or AI engines or OCR engines or process mining and discovery, but our team has uh, a wealth of great relationships with those companies and partnerships. And so feel free to come to us so that we can help you again, educate and navigate on that best in class partner ecosystem. And then finally, if you have a vendor integration that you need that we don't have on the digital exchange, again, let us know. We're very adaptive and working with a number of companies to onboard them as technology partners, to build these drag and drop automations so that you can take advantage of them quickly and easily. Let us know because uh, we will adapt and work towards getting that support that you need with that technology partner and you'll have them in your toolkit, your digital ops toolkit, as I think uh, Gartner likes to call it, as part of this hyper automation curve, you know, vendors are moving very quickly to put together solutions that are at this intelligent automation layer. And we do that through best in class choice and vendors that you want to work with and that we can bring to the table and have ready for you. Great. Thank you, Bruce. This has been very informative and inspirational, I would like to say as well, as you've shared some of the jobs that our digital workforce is able to do today and and looking forward to some of the things that they'll be able to do in the future as well. So we've come to the point in my show where I like to ask my guests a question that's completely unrehearsed and in fact you didn't even know I would ask it and that I like to call it my Zena Zinger. So for this uh, question let me ask you given given sort of the environment we're living in today this is first this is uh, on my mind so if a digital worker were a first responder what kind of first responder would they be and why? Oh you zing me pretty good. Uh, well fortunately I've got some friends that are emergency workers, one's a firefighter, one's a policeman, and also a friend that's a nurse. You know, it's it's really interesting to think about. Uh, digital worker, I think, in this context, I would hope that 
we bring to the table digital workers that can help the massively taxed healthcare system with this massive testing and data acquisition and helping patients and adjusting patients. I'd want a digital worker to be helping the frontline workers in hospitals and uh, certainly know that it'll be challenging times ahead for many. And that's just what comes to mind. So hopefully that happens and we can help. Absolutely. Well, knowing that digital workers, you know, are working 24-7 and certainly are immune to, you know, what our you know, our, dare I say it, normal <laughs> workers are not immune to right now. That is a, a great way to to leverage them in this uh, time of need. So thank you very much, uh, Bruce, for joining us. I really appreciate your time and your insights and perspective. And I think we'll uh, very much look forward to the next time you join us. Wonderful. Thank you, Zena. And thanks for the audience for listening. Go well. Great. Have a great day, everyone. Signing off. You've been listening to Generation Digital Workforce. If you want to hear more about RPA, AI, and other cognitive technologies that are shaping the future of work, join us next time as we continue to go deeper on these topics with industry innovators and experts. To make sure you never miss a future episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. And if you've liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. It's one of the best ways to help more people find valuable content. For show notes and more info, visit us at blueprism.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.